0: David Kern.
1: I'm Heidi White. I'm Sarah Jane Bentley.
0: And you are listening to Close Reads, a podcast for the incurable reader. We are here to discuss the final pages, the final 25 or so pages of Marilyn Robinson's novel, Home. We have done, what, six episodes on this book? This is our seventh. We're going to uh, bring it to a close here, I suppose. And then next week we will answer your questions. So if you have questions that you would like us to consider for that next episode, please feel free to put those in the thread that will be posted over on the Close Reads Podcast discussion group on Facebook. So you can search Close Reads on the, the search bar if you haven't joined that group already and uh, click add and we'll, uh, we'll uh, let you into the uh, into the wild. And then uh, also you can email them to us if you'd like. And that's podcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do it at Close Reads pods as well. And you can message us with your question uh, there as well. So. Uh, Here is my question for the two of you as we um, come to the end of this book. It's a very sort of general personal question. So you're gonna have to insert yourself into the equation here as we start. We've talked a lot about, um, we talked about catharsis a lot last week. We've talked about expectations and how the book has sort of changed for us as we've read it and our experiences have changed. Heidi, this was your first read. Sarah Jane, this was your second, second read.
2: That's right. Second.
0: Okay. So. What I'd like to know is when you come to the end of the novel, Heidi, this, this being your first time, I'll ask you first, are you satisfied with the ending given the discussions that we've been having, the questions we've been posing, the gaps that we've been identifying? Have the things that we have discussed um, and that you've been looking for ultimately led you to an experience that you feel like uh, met your expectations or do you feel like you are left wanting more? And I don't mean that I'm rambling again to give you a chance to think, as usual. But I don't mean that in the sense that like I'm gonna criticize. You're not necessarily criticizing Marilyn Robinson for something, but in terms of your experience with it, given the conversations that we've had so far, do you feel like it it's it's been wrapped up and you feel satisfied? Okay, end of ramble. You have to talk now. I had I had right. to have given you enough time.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> um, I I think it's a profoundly dissatisfying ending in every way. I think it's. a a tangle of loose ends but I think that's one of the whole points Sarah Jane
0: (laughs) I think I guess we'll have to come back to that
1: (laughs) (laughs) we can come back to that I found
2: that there was some satisfaction because Glory seems to be a character who lives for other people's dreams and in this section we found out that she was funding this imaginary future by giving money to this kind of reprobate lover and at the end, what we find out is that the house will continue in the same way as it currently is, and that she's going to sort of sit there with bated breath that one day either Jack or Jack's son Robert will come back and she will have kept mm-hmm. it as it ought to be. And so there's a kind of um, there's a kind of constancy to the ending, isn't there? that like something that things are not going to change or fall apart, they're just going to stay there in limbo for a long time.
0: Limbo is a very interesting word there, given the the talk of purgation and so forth uh, that happened in this book. Good catch, yeah. um But there's, you know, it's interesting because did you guys go back to the first words of the book? I don't know if you recognize this this time, Sarah Jane, because the cyclical limbo nature of it is really interesting when you go back to the first lines of the book: "Home to stay, glory." yes her father said and his heart and her heart sank so like that one line there if you i don't know if she wrote that line first or if she came back to it later i don't know any of that of course but when you go back and read that again that one line has so much going on there because on the one hand yes she does she does stay right but then at the beginning of the book it also suggests that being home isn't all that great but by the end of the book she has come to think a little bit differently of it in a way she kind of is um um it, 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 she's not super happy that she has to stay, I suppose, but she also does. There's a hopefulness in what she feels like she can preserve about the place. And so I wonder if at the end of the novel, she would still, if, if her father said that again, it would also, it would still say, and her heart sank, or if it could just end with her father said, um, <laughs> that was the question that, that come, coming to me. And I was thinking about how that limbo, the sort of limbo cyclical, um, concept is 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 there like in that line you know and at the end of the book of course it says the lord is wonderful um so that's suggestive of many things maybe some loose ends though
2: you're a very (laughs) good close reader that i that technique of going back (laughs) to the first line at the end is one i've just noted and will do a lot more now
0: i don't know that i would say that i do that all the time but i think there was something about this book in fact i i do know i do know that i don't do that all the time but I, uh, I just, there's something about this book that made me think about how, and what you were saying made me think about that because at the beginning she arrives and at the end, some, you know, these homecoming novels, somebody usually, usually that person that arrives then often leaves, but in this case she arrives and then she stays, you know, and everybody else is going to be arriving sort of willy nilly haphazardly while she's the one that has to be the one that's steady and, and steadfast.
2: Yeah, I don't think she wants to be, and it's not a happy ending. But there is a, a, a kind of closure or definiteness to it. I think is all I was answering to your question.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. That's that's an interesting question. I don't know that I would. you agree with me if I were to make the claim that while it might not be happy, it, it, you could make the case that it's hopeful? Yeah. Heidi, you have all these loose ends. <laughs> this loose end thing for you. you I said think that's kind of glory.
1: The I think Glory feels hopeful at the end. And I think that that's, I mean, she has an optimistic tone in imagining Jack's son coming back and her being able to greet him and show him around. And I was, I was so struck in these last 50 pages um, by the exploration of the metaphor of the home as, the soul, which is something that Marilyn Robinson herself has said, and I think comes comes through really clearly in this novel, um, and in Housekeeping, her first novel, um, probably more than any of her other books um, that I've read. So, anyway, I which I did read about half of Jack this week. I skimmed it. I didn't read it super carefully, but I I sat down and just kind of made my way through it on a first read. Um, and it's a very, very different novel, very different than these. So um, anyway, I think that-
0: She's trying some things in her old age.
1: Well, yeah, and it's a different, It, it, it demands it demands a very different- Tone to it, I think, to because Jack's such a mystery. Yeah, I mean, I already have some thoughts on it, but I haven't made it all the way through yet. Um, And I'll skim it to see how traumatized I'm going to be by it, and then I'll (laughs) go back and read it more carefully with some preparation. (laughs) Um, That's my strategy right now. Put on Um, the armor. Yes, exactly. So, but anyway, I was so struck by the metaphor of the soul. Uh, as explored in glory, ending up living permanently in the home and daydreaming about her own, like remembering her own daydreams about her desire for her own home. And that now she's this keeper and curator of the family home and wondering. Preserver. point Yes. And wondering if that's hopeful or not. Wondering if that's hopeful or if it's you know, a harbinger of doom for her, and I, I think that you can interpret that kind of both ways. And which is the thing about Marilyn Robinson and her the brilliance of her writing, um, and I think, as you pointed out earlier, you alluded to earlier, David, it demands a personal response on the part of the reader. The reader is such an active interpreter in Marilyn Robinson because she doesn't tell us what to think about everything, um, and she provokes so much emotion. <laughs> and so, I. I've just, I mean, I've been having even some offline conversations with, um, via messenger with a couple of close readers who have said, what do you think about this or this part of, of, of it? And it always ends up personal. It always ends up kind of confessional in some way to talk about this book I've noticed um, Mm -hmm. because it, it brings up people's own family experiences. So I really have Mm -hmm. been pondering that question of whether or not this is hopeful that glory ends up as the curator of the family home rather than having her own Is that going to be a healing experience for her or is that a regression or is it somehow both, which is, you know, the nature of human experience. So it's complicated. So I don't think I can say it ends with with a resounding hopeful message, but I'm thankful that she feels optimistic.
0: Well, I think we have to talk about the final lines that he is, um, he cannot know that my whole life has come down to this moment. This is her talking about when young Robert comes that he has answered his father's prayers. The Lord is wonderful. Um, the Lord is one. Let's work back. Well, I don't know if we want to work backwards. I don't, I don't know what the right approach to this is. Because um, yeah. could, we could kind of try to unravel each of these lines that he has answered his father's prayers is interesting because it suggests it suggests that Jack is praying, <laughs> um, which is the thing that in many ways his father wanted his father wanted all along um and so then what's the prayer that the boy is gonna come home to his the place where he lived which would suggest you know as as we saw in the stories that della tells oh tell the stories that della tells about jack telling stories that um that jack valued the place more than he was able to state um and then it says that the Lord is wonderful. So there's all these different things that are at work here that I think determine whether or not you think this book is h- hopeful. Like if she, the book is saying, the book is stating at the end that the Lord is wonderful, and that's ultimately kind of an inherently hopeful phrase. But is that a, I mean, do we, should we not read that at face value, uh, Sarah Jen, What do you think? I mean, is it, the the line "the Lord is wonderful"? I mean, do how do how do you take that? How, when, what do you think that this character is saying when she says that, or are we getting outside of the character at this point? And this is Marilyn Robinson speaking.
2: That's a really good question. Uh, that last observation. I, I find the last few lines that you've quoted tricky because we have this really strange temporal shift at the end of the novel where Glory right. starts thinking in terms of prolepsis about mm-hmm. something that might never happen. Or are we to assume that she's being prophetic here and this is something that will happen? Mm-hmm. So when she says he cannot know that my whole life has come down to this moment. She could be talking about the moment that she's in right now when she has this thought, or she could be talking about this future thought that she will have when the child, Robert, comes back. Robert Boughton, obviously the name of the father again. Um, And I think it matters as to whether she's talking about the moment now, because if she's talking about now, she's had a kind of sense of hope or restoration in the very fact that she's got to meet Jack's son. But if she's talking about the future, it's much more uncertain because he might never come and do what she's imagined. We know that she spent her life imagining a future for herself that never came to be. And Mm. she, she tends to have this introspective life that um, is sacrificed. and, And it means that her, her real life somehow never quite takes off is how it seems. So, I'm not sure whether she's, maybe she's talking about both now and the future. And, and there is a sense of hope there because she, she feels that there is something wonderful about how the Lord has shown her um, that Jack perhaps isn't as bad as people think, that Della speaks very highly of him, that he's, hmm. he's described as kind, which affirms what Gloria's always thought about him. Um, and so I think, I think it is quite hopeful, but I really like the idea that maybe it's, this is, uh, an anonymous kind of authorial comment at the end, which makes it again, have a slightly different shade of meaning.
0: And also, because if, if so, then it could be shifting outside of, um, the line, the line, the final or the second, the penultimate line there could be shifting, um, who the pronouns are referring to
2: exactly i mean because
0: it could be that jack answered his father's prayers and in particular maybe even by giving the boy the name because that was the big thing that robert the jack he was saying to jack that he wanted was a name that he could call him um that, that that he couldn't though he didn't have any way of addressing him like the other kids could and so he gives his by giving his own his his own kid his name he in a way is Doing that. I'm confused about the pronouns now.
2: <laughs> well, yes, because or is it that Robert Boughton Jack's son has answered Jack's prayers?
0: Right. It's right.
2: Well, it's kind of brilliantly double, isn't
0: Ambiguous? it? Ambiguous. Mm. Yeah. Well, and then you the double I mean, the doubling goes back to the cycle, the cyclical thing that you were talking about. Even like mm. the the idea that the there's the Robert has a son named Jack who has a son named Robert, and now there's like this dare I say circle of life thing going on there. <laughs> go? what are you going to say go ahead
1: well i think that that's important the the cyclical the cyclical nature of this family and the story and the home um and i think that one of the i mean it's always hopeful that a family endures from one generation to another. There's always a great sense of hope in that in the most broken of families because it's, you know, rather more likely that the sins of the father will be visited upon the son, but there's always the chance that the son will break free from the sins of the father. And and I think that that's the hope that glory is... Clinging to and glory is always hopeful. I remember I was remembering another cyclical pattern. um This is she's imagining a fantasy future in which she welcomes Jack's son into the soul of the family, uh, and which harkens back to Jack's daughter, who Glory was the one to welcome the child's mother, the farm girl, and her daughter, and hmm. in, into the home and to 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 feed them and to nourish them and to play with them and to, to try to connect. Um, And, and there is something eternally loving and generous and optimistic and hopeful about glory Uh, in her welcoming of people into the soul of the home. And in her desire to nourish, she's the ultimate insider, right? And Jack's the ultimate outsider. she always wants to bring in everybody. And, and I, I love that about her. She just has this great desire to gather in and maybe that makes her the right keeper of this family memory. The, again, is it a hopeful image that Gloria ends up being in the family home? And, and I go back and forth. I want to find it hopeful, but then there's so much of me that, that just feels so sad that she remains unseen and unable to curate and have and build her own home.
2: I think there's um, a yeah. really important distinction to make about the ending and this question of hopefulness, which is, there's ho- hopefulness is brought by the arrival of Della because she restores some of Jack's reputation. So there's, ho- there's that kind of hopefulness. But then as you're saying, Heidi, I think the future hope is, is more uncertain um, because that penultimate sentence as well, he cannot know that my whole life has come down to this moment. It's almost as if Glory will then be like her father in the house waiting for the prodigal to come home in order so that he can die and that she will kind of be doing the same thing. She seems to say, my whole life has come down to this moment that as soon as Robert comes back, then she will be ready to die and the circle will be complete. So that there's something quite morbid there. Mm
0: -hmm. Hmm. It it seems like it comes down to like... There's either an all there's either an inherent good in the in the notion of home, and the, the that it, and that it is inherently good to preserve it, and thus, her life there, and her actions preserving it and and potentially, well, I'll just say preserving it are inherently good, and thus that is hopeful. But then there's also this question that Heidi's speaking of, of like her own personal development character like is is it it is the novel not is it is it taking her is it is it not giving her enough of herself and thus then that's inherently not hopeful because but but or is there like is there a hierarchy of goods here in a way i guess that's Mm -hmm. what i'm trying to say that yeah um because if the book says i mean we we can we can take we can bring our own beliefs to it as usual, right? But if the book is saying that there is an inherent good in, 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 the, in home, homeness, say, and thus in the preservation of home, of family, of tradition, dis, despite all of the, the, the foibles that, that come along with that, and, does the, and thus does that inherent good like overcome, is it worth giving up ourselves for? It seems like that's one of the questions that the novel might be presenting in terms of, and, and how we answer that might have something to say about might have something to say about it, whether we think it's hopeful. I'm not saying that if you think it's not hopeful, you don't think that homes are worth preserving.
1: <laughs> right, right. I know, I, I hear that. I hear the question. I think if I'm going to speak for my opinion and my own visceral reaction.
0: Don't speak for Sarah Jane's think, opinion.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't speak for any, <laughs> but I mean, I I think that there's, I try to be really careful on this I try to be careful on the podcast from, I, I try not to say my exact opinions about everything because there's multiple ways to interpret a work of literature. Mm-hmm. And it's not, we're not here to just say our opinions. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're here to to Big. open up a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes in stating an opinion or an interpretation, it shuts down a conversation instead of opening it up. Um, but in this particular book, I think it demands, almost demands an opinion. Um, even though it's so deliberately ambiguous. And I find Mm -hmm. that a a commentary on the craft of the book that it's these are remarkably written novels Um, and very, very Mm. lifelike, like very much like a real family, which is I think why for some people, it's like a puzzle to solve. And for some people, it's like incredibly painful because this is going to open up some of the griefs that are inherent in families. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I am going to say, I I, I viscerally, emotionally do not find this a satisfying ending at all. I find, I feel so, I feel so much desire for glory to be seen. And I think that's what glory is for. Like objectively, the abstract nature of glory is to be seen and celebrated. And this woman uh, isn't at the end of this novel. A book about her has, uh, from her perspective, gives this this glorious person so little, so little glory in her own sphere, and I don't see that changing if she remains the museum curator of these family memories, and that makes me feel sad. There's a kind of optimism here, though I think as well
2: that. Um despite the sadness and the stasis of her being this curator, what she's imagined for the future is distinctly hopeful and optimistic. Because if we think about it, Jack would be afraid for the boy not being able to get to Missouri before dark. We know that there are all Mm -hmm. these kind of race riots and tensions going on in the novel, in the news. So what Glory's imagining is that that boy will survive all of that and will be a well-mannered, softly spoken southerner who will come and sit with her on the porch and that there'll be no problem with him doing that in the future, which I think is a brilliant thing. That's a, that would be mm-hmm. such a glorious evening in Gilead for that to happen. And she also starts to talk about Gilead in a slightly kinder way, Mod, worn, modest, countrified Gilead of the sunflowers. So whereas Jack's future, we don't know if he's going to get rolled in an alley and might never come back there is a kind of hope that glory will endure and might have this encounter in the future. So m- optimism maybe rather than hopefulness might be another way of well, looking the, at it.
0: But to that point, the reason we don't know about Jack is because he can't stay there. Mm. So like we, we have, we, we, the fact that she's staying there gives her some roots that makes her a lot less likely to be rolled in an alley. <laughs> mm. Which I mean, you know, that's kind of a silly way of putting it. But also it's true. Like you're probably not going to get rolled in an alley in Gilead.
1: <laughs> I think that that's true. And that's one of the reasons Jack is there. That's one of the reasons why he went home is to see if it could be a place where he could bring his family. I find it, inc- you know, for those of us who read who read Gilead, we knew that Della and Robert were coming, right? We knew that's how the story would end. So you know that he has another child, but if you're reading this as a standalone novel, you really don't know there's some foreshadowing about it. It's maybe it comes as one of those like, you know, those twists at the end that's entirely unsurprising and yet surprising at the same time, um, which is kind of how it was in Gilead. Um, but then you start thinking about the cycles of families that how, how Jack feels about his own father, Will that be the way that Robert feels about him, right? And that's not very hopeful. Like his thought, his son is literally chasing him all over. So I think that there's there's just so much ambiguity here at the end of this novel, which is why I say whether you find it hopeful or not, it's it. There are loose ends. We don't know what's going to happen. It's not a neat little bow. It's not a.
0: Yeah, I mean that's not really debatable. You're right. There's,
1: it's not. The, it's not the ending that we would want for profoundly suffering characters right it may be the most potentially redemptive ending in the sense of it if we're trying to make this a book of realism then it kind of with with all the ways that these people miss each other there's no way there's going to be a neat little bow at the end of this right but i mean even the way his relationship ends with his father that statement that they make to each other tired of this me too bone tired those are their last words to each other
2: they were good. I thought that was good. Good dialogue
1: writing. It was beautifully written. Mm. Beautifully written.
0: But the, I think it's important though that that, um, it's the last things they say to each other, but it's not the last interaction they have, because it says right right after that it says he looked at his father a minute longer, then bent and kissed his brow. And then he comes back into the kitchen and says goodbye to her. So they say those things to each other, but then there is a, a there is a moment of tenderness between them that is not the last. Mm. It's, I mean, literally, it's the last word, but it's not the last, the last moment. Mm. Um, and there's a false hope. I, I think hope. that's important.
2: There's a false hope as well, isn't there, a bit later on where we realize that old Boughton kind of half thinks that Teddy is Jack. Yeah
1: Until as if Jack then. never left. Mm. Yeah. And even that last moment of tenderness, David, you're right. it's a but it's a moment of tenderness from Jack towards his father, not from his father, towards him. The last words from Bowton are dismissive of Jack. That Dak ever hears from him is, I'm tired of this. Like that's, that is not a blessing. He does receive a blessing in this, in this section though, but that is not a blessing. No,
2: I was sort of thinking, at least it's honest. That was what I was thinking at the time. I was like, thank goodness this, this wasn't a saccharine lie.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a sense in which they're over the last 40 pages of the book, there are 50 pages of the book things are finally being said that needed to be said whether that gives it people closure might i don't know might depend on what you think about the nature of truth i suppose, <laughs> I suppose. um but i mean i hear what you're saying heidi that we want so much for him to okay let me ask you this okay this box a question i was gonna say we want so much for him to express forgiveness to jack so that leads, that leads me to two questions. One, do we think that Boughton forgave Jack? And two, do we think that Boughton needed to forgive Jack?
1: I think that Boughton does- And does it ever get I expressed? think Boughton does need to forgive Jack. I, I do not think that his attempt- I think that he made a very real attempt to forgive Jack, a very spiritually real attempt to forgive him for abandoning his daughter- Um, and I think that that was a praiseworthy effort, but I don't think that that was, I don't think he ever truly did it. And I think that's how, and I think that's very real as well. Um, Many of us try to forgive when we feel profoundly wounded and we do our very, very best, but we kind of don't get to the bottom of it. And so I think she's exploring something in Boughton's attempt to forgive Jack that is really, really human. And I don't condemn Boughton for that, Um, but I don't think it was true forgiveness because true forgiveness does... um, it it changes the the eyes i'm thinking i'm trying to think of a of a more like normal way of saying this than like it op- opens the eyes of the noose right like the 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 terms of the spiritual <laughs> fathers um that that talk about this organ of spiritual perception that is innate within us but is Decayed and blinded by the fall, and that the earthly pilgrimage is to reawaken and reopen the eyes of the hearts or the eyes of the noose in order to see things spiritually truly. And forgiveness always, true forgiveness, deep forgiveness, according to the church fathers, always opens the eyes of the noose. It always gives us uh, a, a new illumination spiritually to see the imago day in people that we have forgiven. And I do not see any evidence in this book. And I will go to the ball for this, that Bouton sees Jack for if the Imago day in Jack. And I think if he had truly forgiven him, he would have. I think he meant to. I think he tried to. I think he loves his son the way a father, an earthly father loves an earthly son to the very best of his ability. And I think he tries, but he does not see Jack. And that is, I think that's the great tragedy of their parting. That when he sees Jack with as on on the knowing he'll never see him again, knowing he will never see him again, the last thing he says to him is that he's tired of him.
0: The thing that complicates it though is that he's also not mentally all there. That's true, and that's I mean it. That just I'm not saying you're wrong. It just. How you bring that into the... But She brought that into the story for a reason. She did bring it
1: into the story for the reason. And I think it's exactly what the two of you are saying, which is now he's being honest. He cannot be fake. He cannot just say what he wants to believe to be true. His filters are gone. And so he is speaking from the primal, natural man, which doesn't see his son and doesn't truly forgive him and is tired of him. Tired of carrying the burden and does some of that re- responsibility lie with jack absolutely of course it does he's given him so much grief he doesn't even have a name for him that
2: was the bit i was thinking about that that's the about i think that might be the kindest thing that boughton says to his son is is when jack says oh i didn't feel worthy of calling you by any name and, and he says that's what i wanted to hear I thought that's about as close as we get, but it's not forgiveness. You're right; it's not forgiveness. It's it's more like a. Uh, Barton is glad that Jack has conceded something, but Barton doesn't concede anything.
1: David, you look pensive. Is that,
0: what is your? I'm just thinking. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how it's the kind of novel that kind of confounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the expectations that the form typically off asks us you know to 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 look for so the notions of like what makes resolution how to how do characters grow um i mean what is catharsis obviously we talked about that last week all these things the novel sort of her whole approach and then line by line throughout that approach just sort of can, turns those i don't see, i don't I don't actually think she's subverting those things mm. i wouldn't i'm not saying that she's trying to like recreate the form of the novel or something like that she's just offering a scenario and and a particular story from a particular pov that is confounded by and confounds the notion of expectation and resolution and it's hard to know what's really you know going on in in bounton's heart you know and that's i think one of the most complicated parts of the novel is that we so rarely get to be inside of his head and we really don't get to be inside of his head outside of someone else's point of view in, in any of the novels And so what he is truly feeling outside of what he says is, is messy because Mm -hmm. he's not wrong in a way to feel angry, um, to be deeply wounded himself, to feel guilt Mm -hmm. that he wasn't able to reach Jack and that he at times wounded him. He was not wrong that to feel resentful that Jack didn't come home when Jack's mother died. Um, He's not wrong Mm -hmm. to feel angry that Jack left when you know, it wasn't around when Jack's daughter died, all those sorts of things. And like the fact that he's not wrong to feel those ways means that unless we're inside of his head, it's hard to know how that works out in terms of his love for his son. Also. Um, because you the, those two things are constantly getting held in tension in all of in all human relationships, right? The fact that we love someone deeply and also are regularly wronged by people who we love the most, like you, we're always holding those things in tension, and that's why you have to find a way to connect. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, People can't see me trying yeah, to.
2: He's doing hand motion, hand folks. Ju- yeah. Yes, <laughs> um, like Conrad. Only connect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's. Um, So it's just that it complicates it and and it doesn't offer us a path to the sort of resolution we would normally get from a traditional novel. Um, And I think part of that is that we don't have an easy way into his head. Right. And Glory is also uh, very like sort of closed off in her own POV.
1: I think you're right. And I think that there's, I mean, it raises the question of whether or not a neat resolution is even possible in really complicated human relationships is there the right combination of words that could have brought these two broken people to feeling completely fine about everything that happened between them on the last moment you know what i mean there's there's this is interesting i I think that that's a question worth asking and i think the modern novel is one of the only places that's brave enough to ask that right like that's the kind of to your point the history of the novel does tend to have a you know some kind of combination of words that kind of sets gives the reader and the character this sense of catharsis and and um, resolution and that isn't the nature of most complex human relationships that have gotten to the state that Dawn and Jack are at and and so i think that it's fair to end it this way which is why at the beginning i said i don't i do think there are loose ends i don't find it satisfying but maybe that's the whole point and maybe that is one of maybe that's that kind of is one of the things that is being explored in this novel
0: you said that the, um there aren't enough words to express But well, how did you put it there aren't enough words the right combination of words a
1: phrase that i got from breaking bad by the way <laughs> so i didn't make it up but the I right
0: combination this. of words to express the hurt between people?
1: Yeah, yeah like, the, or the complicated tangle that we, that happens sometimes after years of, of broken relationships, such as Mountain and Jack have. And none of us, none of us can trace that back perfectly, which is the sign of a beautifully written set of characters. You know, even, yeah. even on the Facebook page, there's a lot of debate whose fault is it? And there's a lot of, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of that kind of, Discussion that's the whole point of the novel is to bring that up. And I think this is one of those novels that's best read in community. Otherwise, you're just going to think you know how it should have gone. Right.
0: Okay. So let me ask you this Do you think yeah. that there is, so there's this idea of uh, maybe there's no right combination of words to express the trauma or conflict between people, the drama? Is there, is it possible for there to be a right combination of words that expresses the goodness? in a relationship at the end of it?
1: That's a good
0: question. Like, I mean, so like, say you have a, like when Jack's mother died, could Boughton have had the right combination of words to truly express the, the depth of the relationship with his wife whom he loved and was close with?
1: Hmm.
0: Like, maybe maybe that's part of the problem is there's just not words, like yeah. words have their limits ultimately. Language
1: has, language has its limits. Um, well, Sayer Jane, you're,
0: you're an English teacher. And also hail from the place where English was invented. So maybe you can come up with an answer to questions about the right combination of words in English.
2: It pains me when we talk about the, you know the failures of language and the limits of language. I do, I do know, I know. what you mean, but I also think language is a gift, and mm-hmm. it can convey so much. And and I'm so grateful for that. Um, yeah. What they need is that little pillow that they hold in Breaking Bad. If they just had one of those little (laughs) pillows that they could pass around, it would all be fine.
0: Now, everybody that's listening that's never watched is going to have to go watch the whole series to understand this book.
1: And carry around a copy of Leaves of Grass.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so you say it pains you. And there are limitations to language, but would you say that, that the problem is... That there are not actually words that can express what's going on here, or that it's the the limitation is with the speakers, not the language.
2: Good question. Yeah, that's that's a good distinction to draw. I mean, the Bawtons are not famed for their ability to communicate with each other clearly and honestly.
0: Long prayers and (laughs) sermons notwithstanding.
2: And but on the other hand, we have Marilyn Robinson, who has ventured to convey the complexities of a family through the generations using only language. And we respect that. And she sort of does come up with a combination of words, doesn't she? With that final phrase, the Lord is wonderful. I think that is a bit of a catch all at the end that she's sort of saying, there are things um, that haven't been expressed in this novel that are wonderful. Um, that perhaps the reader will appreciate because language has evoked that.
0: Hmm. It's interesting how, I mean, language is so much about choice. To get to the right words, you have to choose them very carefully. Um, And in some ways, this is a novel about sometimes people choosing their words very carefully. And sometimes people speaking without thinking at all. And then you've got this novel that's so carefully crafted. Like those two final lines, she could have ended the novel that he has answered his father's prayers. Then she chooses to add the last four letters. And there's a purpose behind that. And you imagine she probably, I mean, maybe she always knew she wanted the novel to end there, but it's, you know, there's a purpose behind that. And and maybe, and maybe this is a novel about the complicated nature of language when people try to harness it to express things that are Ultimately you can't you can't ever be truly inside someone else's heart, you know? And language does have its I mean language is a deeply powerful thing, but finding the words to express the inexpressible is why poets exist, mm. I suppose.
1: Mm. All right. <laughs> And why people write stories. Go ahead, Sarah Jane.
2: I think one of the things that she does well is ellipsis. So I often find, as you're saying, that some of the dialogue that um, passes, especially between Gloria and Jack, it's quite terse and there's a lot of subtext. So she, mm-hmm. I suppose she is depending on language to convey more than the words on the page all the time. But, mm-hmm. you know, we have, a, we have a really deep sense of what sort of conversation went on between Ames... And Jack, but we don't hear mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. in dialogue. Right. As I think she, yeah. I think she must have realized that would somehow diminish its power. But to leave it as a kind of slight mystery is really effective. So
0: as powerful as, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I just think she is able to make language do a lot of work without saying everything. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, part of making language work is that there has to be silence too. I mean, like yes. that's the nature of that's the nature of a line that's what poetry like the line comes to an end and by coming to an end there like it means something that you chose to stop it there because in theory it could have just gone on forever but you write a poem and like a piece of prose the only reason it goes on to the next line is because paper works that way (laughs) a poet poem you choose to go on to the next line and it's the absence the silence that informs what it's meaning and it seems to be that that's true here too when she has a scene be off off screen so to speak it's like a new line of a poem, or a new stanza, or something. And in between those two stanzas, there's things happening that inform the meaning of the rest of the poem. How do you go ahead. Here. Well,
1: I do. I look poised. No, I'm. I'm actually <laughs> just actively listening. But um, I, I, I can't help but thinking, think of trauma theory and therapy and. when when a person has been traumatized and they're accessing their memory of it or going through a trauma, the very first brain system that's offline in order to deal with the overwhelming nature of the experience is your language center. So you literally cannot describe in words the experience of a traumatic event. Um, And it's, which is why it's so powerful then to be able to put it into words later on in life as you heal from it, to be able to describe it in words, to be able to talk about it and talk about the impact and the way that it felt, um, and and then deal with how that's how your body and your mind are impacted by that. Um, it's because words literally fail. <laughs> uh in the face of an overwhelming emotional experience um and and i think that poetry and novels uh stories have so much power um to uh, to utilize language to express things that language can't express it's like a paradox um it it accesses this thing in the imagination that can bring uh that can bring healing. Uh, and, and I think that Marilyn Robinson enters into the mystery of that so fully, so fully and so beautifully that sometimes readers might feel like, well, that they are having that experience <laughs> of not knowing, but being so overwhelming that they can't mm. necessarily, they don't even know necessarily what it means. Um mm. So I, I mean, I just applaud. I mean, this is a remarkable novel. She's a remarkable novelist, but I think it does bring up, I think hard, I think hard thing. It, there's a lot of sadness in this novel, as we've already talked about. So, and I don't think it's completely resolved at the end.
0: What were you going to say, Sarah Jane?
2: Um, I wondered what you both thought about the. I don't know, the metaphor or the description of Jack as a thief in this section, that that's what Gloria seems to emphasize at, at the end as her lasting memories of her brother, that he's a, he's a thief.
0: But an unusual one. Too. Doesn't Doesn't she say, like, a thief would act this way, and yet he's... Very aware of what doesn't belong to him.
2: Yes, that's right. As if he's got some sort of category failure. I just find Jack such um, a brilliant character in how paradoxical he is, in that he's so strong he can go back to the barn, to the car where he nearly killed himself, and fix it and dismantle Mm -hmm. the shelter where he lived. And he can do that in broad daylight. And that takes real resilience and courage but he can't stay to see his brother come with his stethoscope
0: okay so why, why do we why does he leave is it
2: i know what your father would say i think
0: what my Go on? Would say. <laughs>
2: i think he would say that there are kind of two types of people and some do what the father wants and some are like the wind that blows where it wishes and you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going to
1: that's exactly what he would and say and jack is the <laughs> latter
2: and gloria is the former
0: there's, hmm. Hmm. And then he'd make a joke about how there are two kinds of people in the world, those who categorize people and those who don't. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But he, I mean, he leaves in order to avoid the pain of staying, right? Do you think that's but, true? But
0: the pain, but yes. what, what's the pain, what, the, what pain right. is he trying to so avoid? So then
1: that's the next question, right? The pain of feeling displaced once again.
0: Is it the pain of watching his father die? Is it the pain of being there after his father has died when they haven't gotten resolution?
1: I think it's that. I think it's all of that. It's the family being together and him feeling like an orphan again. That's to be alone in the midst of a a family, um, I think is, you know, he'd rather be literally homeless than feel homeless while at home.
0: Well, So then that makes the tragedy, I mean, to me, the biggest tragedy of the whole book is that, Della misses him by like two days. Right. So, yep. so was she coming to get him and hope that he was going to go with her, or was she coming and they were going to stay?
1: I don't know. And what did she I mean, write in the letter?
0: Like, and what was right. in the letter? I guess we got to read Jack.
1: It's not Maybe. in there.
0: Um, you haven't you haven't read the whole thing yet. You should read in the left?
1: last pa- three pages though. <laughs> 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 Well then, it could have been like in the middle. Maybe
0: it was. Maybe it, Maybe it's in the middle. <laughs> um,
1: but that's why I read it. I was like, I have to know it was in the letter. And then, it could well,
0: have, what do you? What would you what, you? what do you it, in the letter?
1: Because no he idea. said it was. Uh, well, I mean,
0: we can make some guesses because he said, yeah, well, it wasn't unkind. It
2: wasn't unkind. So painful that that's probably worse, isn't it, than it being unkind? Probably something like, "You're such a great guy, yeah. but I just never want to see you again." <laughs>
0: But then she shows up, so you'd think that ostensibly either she realizes she made a mistake Mm, or she didn't say that and he misunderstood, which of course is a jack. Well, it
1: had to be something relatively ambiguous or because she doesn't, she asked the question, do you think he left because of my letter? Which if she had drawn some kind of line in the sand, then she would have known it was because of the letter, right? She wouldn't have wondered. So it seems like it had to be. Mm -hmm something relatively tame but i don't know
2: that's that's the brilliance of robinson that she doesn't tell you she doesn't write it she knows when to stop I,
0: and i like the people who are like so angry about it and say it's so brilliant but it's so maddening <laughs> would shakespeare have told us what was in the letter
1: i don't know i mean the <laughs> i'm a le- i get less hung up on stuff like that because it's I do think that the, that what's happening behind the veil is more important than what's written on it, right? Yeah, like, you went so, and looked
0: at the end of the next book to find out what was in the letter. So you're clearly hung up on it a little well, bit. Well, I
1: was hung up on that because I felt like I wanted, I thought Jack was, I thought the novel was going to be about his life. Like about, it. it is about his relationship with Della in the intervening years. Um he gets out of prison, he meets Della and, and the novel is like a record of how they fell in love and their relationship and it is very different like the tone of it's very different from the other Gilead novels. I haven't read Lila, so I don't know if it's like Lila but um it it, it and it definitely sheds light on him, but it's not in the same time period as the Gilead novels hmm.
2: It's a very romantic. Missing ships in the night moment at the end, isn't it? It's it's like Romeo and Juliet, that sort of archetypal
1: close. And then she wish you could just like text him.
0: Yeah, but in the end,
1: hey, come back. They're
0: they're not dead. And so there's there's all these suggestions that oh, maybe he'll come to St. Louis. Like we'll go there, maybe he'll swing back over that way. Yeah, Dallas seems Um, hopeful,
2: doesn't she, that that Jack mm -hmm. will be found again.
1: Yeah. Well, he says something in Jack that's, I mean, does shed. This isn't giving too much away. It's not a plot point. It's a character point. He says over and over again that his biggest, the biggest ambition that he has is he aspires to harmlessness. All he wants is to just stop hurting people. Like that's his biggest ambition which points to a very deep core of shame, right? He thinks of himself as a person who just hurts people all the time. He's like poisonous and flawed and um and and then he doesn't he doesn't think of himself as someone who could ever do good. He just wants to not do harm. He aspires to harmlessness, which explains a lot about his actions in this book and the way that he has conversations and the care by which he preserves his his autonomy uh, so as not to intrude upon people and hurt them anymore but it also explains his self-protection because he thinks of himself as a person who can just who, who just destroys lives without even trying
0: it's this weird thing where it's like he's bought into the aphorism hurt people hurt people but mm-hmm. like thinks he there's no other way Yes, that that's the only that's just what's going to happen.
1: Which I think everything about Boughton and the way that Boughton treats Jack reinforces that belief that Jack has about himself. And I think so. I think that's what Glory tries to. Try. I think Glory senses that, and she tries to help him see himself as a good man. Which is why I'm so grateful. I am so grateful that at the that for for Ames. Ames does the most healing thing here at the end. And I know Jack hurts him back without meaning to, but that, that blessing is given, thrown into such sharp relief in this novel. Um, I went back and reread it after I finished the novel. I was like, I've got to go read that section in Gilead again. Um, that for, for Ames to say to him, you are a good man and to give him a blessing is, I'm so I'm just so, so grateful that Jack at least had that.
2: Maybe one of the reasons he has to leave is because he can't stand the pity.
1: Hmm. And I think that's true. Mm. But then I always end up coming back to glory, right? What does glory get? Glory gets the house. Here you go. (laughs) Now you get all of this to just make a museum out of. And you got nothing that you wanted out of life and nobody said anything kind to you, so. No, and
2: she really wants children, doesn't she? That's the saddest thing throughout the novel. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. gets she gets a nephew for about 30 seconds.
0: The nephew sees her. Because there's that line about how he, he looks at her. He says, this is your mother. Della says, this is your mother's sister or something like that. Or your father's sister or something like that. And then... It's the line is something like he looked at her for a long time as if preparing remembering or preparing to remember or something like that. It's
2: like he recognizes her, isn't it? or yeah, yeah something like that and the letters
0: and the stories mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the frost I,
2: has come to Gilead. I really like that little touch, just as Della's car no. falls up,
0: yeah, I mean, I don't the the thing the thing that I think for me is the most. I don't know what the word is. Um I'm not sure that I agree with that the the book agrees with your take totally Heidi is the yeah. idea that she doesn't necessarily get anything because I think that she um I think there's I think the book just sees an inherent value in the place and in the home and in the mm-hmm. being the preserver like it's not easy but neither is anything else. <laughs> um so I don't know if I quite read her outcome as being as, uh, I'm not saying you're using this word, but as cynical as I hear you being about it. Um, yeah,
1: I don't, I really don't mean to be cynical. I, I don't, I I think that's why I, Said at the beginning, I'm not sure whether this is intended to be hopeful. It doesn't feel hopeful to me, but that doesn't mean that wasn't part of what Robinson was trying to do—is to offer hope. The tending of a soul of a family is not a worthless endeavor. Um, So I don't—I don't think she's condemning that necessarily. I just don't find the idea of glory forever dwelling in the memory, like this. Edifice of memory that her family has created as being that doesn't feel very hopeful to me, but that doesn't mean that I, I that that Robinson yeah. doesn't seem see some kind of value in it, or that I could be interpreting that wrong.
2: I think the reader has, uh, as Heidi's quite rightly shown, much higher expectations for Glory because we've had all these insights into what she has hoped for in her soul, and all she's left with is going to be an empty house. But the final paragraph seems to suggest that Glory has accepted that that's what she's going to get and that she's willing to live for the hope that she'll see this nephew again and the house will be as it ought to be.
0: Yeah, And that, see, that's to me, I think, like, you, there's this idea of this empty house. You can look at an empty house as, as a relic of the past, uh, a sort of or rose for Emily Mansion that's falling apart and the gables are falling off and the paint is, uh, all those sorts of things, the paint is... Um, Healing and, and so forth. And thus it's got a kind of ghostly, haunted feeling. Or you can view an empty house as a blank canvas uh, upon which a story can be written or which can be filled up with people. And um, I think there's this implication throughout that although they may not be there all the time, people will come back. And so, if what she's doing is not just preserving memory, like curating the past, but she's also preserving it with a specific end in mind that it can be peopled so to speak that it can be the kind of place that that is not just worth remembering but worth visiting um and i think the implication is that that will that they will happen she is hopeful that that will happen um there will be children in the house again through her nieces and nephews perhaps even jack's son um so i don't know i I think the other part is that she has been in a way homeless Mm. and she like Jack had lost her rootedness for a while in a way that the other siblings did not excuse me and having the house is inherently hopeful because it gives her it gives her it ties her to her roots in a way that Jack she's like the anti Jack in that way because although she recognizes her own mistakes she's able to She is able to be there. She's able to make a place there, in a way that Jack is not capable of, Mm. Um, and that's why, and that's partly why she doesn't have the same sense of conflict with her father. Um, And it's and it's it's delicate, right? Like Jack doesn't know why he doesn't feel like he can make a home there. He he's not able to put his finger on it. She's not really sure why either. She's not really sure why she feels okay there. Like there's this delicate tension of I'm okay with this and I'm not okay with this constantly. But I don't know, that feels kinda like of, that feels kinda of right to me. <laughs> but doesn't I mean not that it makes it easy, but or makes it like less complicated or easier to read okay. or whatever. I
1: I think that that's true, David. I I, I think my <laughs> when I look at Glory, I wish that and I think Jack provided some of this. But Jack was so Jack's so needy himself, um, and so broken himself that um that, that added another layer of complication, but what I wish that glory had was was like an ally, like somebody to see her and um instead of her just continually you know kind of bearing bearing the full weight of the family culture um i wish I wish she had you know I mean and that's kind of the whole point though is that she's alone that she She's wasted these years on this man who didn't, who didn't really love her. And that's like her great tragedy. Um, And it is only Jack that really sat with her in that. And now he's gone.
0: She and Lila will have the years together.
1: That's true. She does have Lila.
0: Oh, and actually, Robbie which, of course, is also Jack's son's name. So there's these two Robert boys, which, of mm-hmm. course, makes makes you realize, in retrospect, why Jack was so keen on paying a, paying attention to that other boy who had the same name, yeah, named after the same person. Go ahead. Well, anyway. what you've
2: both been saying has just made me think more broadly about the works of Robinson that I've read. And I think you've both read Housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't say too much about Lila because we haven't covered that yet. But in Housekeeping, the character of Sylvie... She just she just has to get away from places and she runs and she runs. And it just, it's so apparent that this need to wonder intention with the ability to be able to rest at home is something that fascinates Robinson about the human soul. And she keeps coming back to essentially the same characters again and again in different guises in her novel. And I, I find her work a bit like a sort of cubist portrait where you see all these hmm. different... Um, angles of people but never quite the full you kind of yeah. make up the rest yourself you know
0: and, but I mean let's go, go well go. she seems
2: to respect both it's not as if she mm. it's not as if she's saying one is better than the other I find mm. that she she has a real tenderness for both mm. kinds of character mm. mm-hmm. that's true affection mm understanding
0: yeah yeah
2: but the end of this novel sets up Lila so well on that point of home Mm. and restlessness and homelessness as you've just said and i hadn't thought about it before how she's actually done that artistically
0: one day the modern library you know those hard they'll probably take all four of these novels and they'll put them in one thing and then it'll be very small print but it'll look nice on your shelf And then bookstores everywhere will have to decide if they want to carry it for $60.
1: (laughs) I thought it was great how he hid that money in the books. I thought that was
0: awesome. And they go back to it years later.
1: That was so great. Because it just exposes the hypocrisy, right? Like, he knew that nobody ever reads those books that his dad's always talking about are so great. (laughs) What are the titles
2: of them? I mean, the Monstrous Regiment of Women is by... John Knox, isn't it? That's a really yep. controversial book.
0: What's the uh the other one? The the Hound?
1: The Hind Unloosed.
0: Oh. The Hound yes. Unloosed. Yes. Oh, that was
1: great. I thought that was pretty funny.
0: I definitely ran across those books like that in the the basement library of the Bible college I went to for a year. <laughs> <laughs> um well, next week we are going to answer questions, of course. So let's take some final thoughts here and then wrap this up. And then next week, as always, those questions will take us deep into the book and all the things that we, that we left unsaid and the gaps that we left for our listeners <laughs> in the novel that has plenty of loose ends. Uh, Heidi, what are your final thoughts on this? Um, is there anything you want that we didn't touch on that you hope that we get a question about?
1: Um... I am going to use this final thought on opportunity as a chance to appropriate some time to vindicate myself because I have-
0: Vindication of the rights of women?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, vindication of the thoughts of this particular woman. Um, I have been, I've been hard on Boughton and I know I have. And I, I, I want to say it's not because I don't, see Jack is fully responsible for himself. Because I also already have a set of thoughts about Jack as a father and the impact that his actions are going to make on his son in the next generation. That So it's not that I'm not sympathetic to Bouton or that I'm, you know, trying to blame him for all of Jack's problems, but more that the... I do believe that the sins of the father play out in the lives of of the son and of course I believe the same thing about mothers and daughters and families just I'm just using that biblical phrase. And 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 I think that at the end of the book here we have a I think it's so important that Jack has a son because we already see this the next generation there's hope there's so much hope but there's also so much potential for the sins of the father to manifest in the life of the son and this book ends on a note of um of glory's kind of fantasy about that hope. And I I hope that that is true. Like, I hope that that is true hope. Um, And, uh, but I also think, I also already have a set of thoughts about how Jack's, Actions as a father might potentially impact his son, and how those things are cyclical. Um, And I, I do, I, I, I think that there's something about Marilyn Robinson that's so unflinching uh, in gazing at the impact of one generation upon the next. And we see a little microcosm of that, and that'll play out again.
0: I think that the most hopeful thing in all these, in this whole book, might be that Glory is so insightful. Because in the end, that might suggest that we can trust the visions of sorts that she has. I hope so. Sarah-Jane, final thoughts?
2: I would just like to, if I may, give the Mm -hmm. final words over to Glory and Marilyn Robinson by reading a couple of short bits from this section that I thought were really memorable. Please do, Yeah. It, so this bit is about um, Gloria just observing Jack after he's been caring for his father. It seemed to her there was a peacefulness about him that came with resignation, with the extinction of that last hope, like a perfect humility, undistracted by the possible, the unrealized, the yet to be determined. It may have been the saddest day of her life, one of the saddest of his, and yet, all in all, it wasn't a bad day. So there was that bit. And also when she watches him walk down the road for the last time. She went to the porch to watch him walk away down the road. He was too thin and his clothes were weary, weary. There was nothing of youth about him, only the transient vigor of a man acting on a decision he refused to reconsider or regret. No, there might have been some remnant of the old aplomb. Who would bother to be kind to him? A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their face. Ah, Jack.
0: I was thinking a lot about how she phrases things, she'll repeat words at different times, and add things like ah, Jack, and the way she uses commas, and all that sort of things. It's like a. It's very poetic. It's, it forces you. It just forces you to slow down, change your rhythms, all that sort of thing. Good writer, all in all. What'd you say? How do you're muted?
1: I said she's all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, she, I was thinking, how many authors have we ever done twice on this podcast over like five years or whatever it's been? Wendell Berry, obviously Shakespeare, Marilyn Robinson, Graham Greene. Hemingway. I th- well, we did. We one. did a short story once. But I think we've only That's done true. one novel. Um, O'Con- O'Connor, I guess we did different, but we did her short stories. Um, I think part of it is just that Robinson's so abundantly discussable.
1: Yes, abundantly discussable is a great phrase. All right. Do you well, have any final thoughts?
0: My final thoughts: that thing about. Uh, how I think she really is very insightful. Mm -hmm. Like she recognizes that Della is his wife and she says it before Della says it. She meets Robert and then she says, did you play baseball? And he's like, yeah, i play baseball. And so she makes, she's making all these connections. She's just got this insight into the world and the people around her that I think gives us a chance to take her, what I would call visions or dreams for the future, her ability to see into the core of things I think we can take that as a sort of wisdom. I think that there is a wisdom to her that um, kind of roots the story and and keeps it from being just this sort of... It could be melodrama between father and son if in the wrong author's hands, right? But hmm. I think Glory's wisdom is one of the things that keeps it from being there and adds depth to the, to the story. Um, which, again, pretty good writer all in all. <laughs> So, all right. Well, thank you to you both. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Thanks to Logan for editing and engineering the audio and getting that up in the midst of moving and everything else that's going on. So I just want to shout out to him. Um, should do that every episode, honestly, because he does. I Would the phrase yeoman's work be appropriate here, Sarah Jane? Yeah. Being English, I assume you know.
2: <laughs> I need to brush up on my Englishness, I think.
0: <laughs> just read some like Howard Pyle Robin Hood or something. I'm sure that would tell you. Well, yes. Thanks to Logan. Uh, and of course, Sarah-Jane, it's been great having you on this series. Um, uh, it's always great listening to you on The, the Plays of the Thing when you get a chance to be on there. And we look forward to having you on as many podcasts as you want to. I know you've got, you're have got you headed back to, uh, to school, back to teaching, and you've also got Elizabeth to, to look after and Toby. So uh, thank you for being here.
2: My pleasure. If I can persuade um, my husband that I can give up my job, maybe I could spend more time <laughs> with you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: put the full court press on Um, not that you know money doesn't matter you know just whatever (laughs) you have a child now put her to work she can take care of (laughs) Um, you right. well with that with that little bit of bad advice for you uh, (laughs) thanks to Heidi White and to Sarah Jane Bentley I'm David Kern thanks so much for listening until next time happy reading